Hope you're getting excited about Christmas. Yes, one woohoo over there. Not so much from over there. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Hebrews chapter 1. And if you're visiting here for the first time, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Christmas uh, is such a wonderful time of year. Uh, The music, the, the festive spirit, the joy, the food the cold, um, the presents, and all the other lovely stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Christmas this year, uh, the anticipation of, of what to expect this Christmas, having to wait patiently for the Christmas holidays to arrive, um, and, to enj- and the hope of enjoying um, quality time with family. Now, I've got one day of work left tomorrow, and then I'm on holiday, which will be good. Then the following day, my parents arrive, who are staying with us for a week, which will be very nice. And uh, I've got two weeks off, so that'll be, that'll be really good, just to connect with, with family. And, of course, to do some of the inevitable DIY jobs that I've been putting off for too long. So I've got to sort those things out. But Christmas, as we've been hearing uh, over the last three weeks, are about certain gifts The first was the gift of anticipation, where Kate talked about uh, anticipation of what is hidden in the dark and will be revealed, and God is still working in dark times when there is little or no light. And then the the following one was, uh, was gift of patience, where Claudine spoke about waiting uh, for God to fulfill his purposes, and uh, waiting does not diminish us. And then last week, we heard from Alex, who talked about the gift of hope, where ultimately Jesus is our hope. This week, I'm speaking on the gift of revelation, not the book. That, that would be a challenge. Um, but uh, the gift of God revealing, speaking, uh, inviting, and opening up the way for us to see him more clearly and to communicate with him more personally. Before we get going, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you pour out for us. Open our hearts and minds this morning. We say, come Holy Spirit. Stir our hearts and bring to our minds all that you have for us. Speak to our spirits, Lord. We turn our attention on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, God has been in the speaking business for a very, very long time. 
looking for ways to show humankind his love for us and how much he loves you and how much he loves me. You'll be thankful that I'm not going to go through the whole book of Hebrews as well. Again, another challenge. But if you flip a few pages on to chapter 12, uh, verse 1, you'll find a very familiar passage. Chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So you see, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. That's chapter 1, verse 2. And then run with perseverance the race marked out, fixing our eyes on Jesus, verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12. So we remember Jesus especially at Christmas time because he is the clearest view we have of what God is like. Jesus perfectly mirrors and is stamped with God's nature. Right, let's turn to another familiar passage, John chapter 1, if you go there. Uh, you'll see it's very similar to, uh, to some other passages that, um, that we've read uh, in the past. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John starts in a similar way to another book. Do you know which book that was? Genesis, yes, that's right, you guessed it, yes. Actually, his book, um, John's book, looks at six signs instead of six days where he does his work. And then on the seventh day, or the seventh sign in John's gospel, he... uh, It's obviously him in the tomb after his death, resting. So it starts with Jesus. It goes on with Jesus. And in this life, it will end with Jesus. And then into eternity with Jesus. So to be fair, a lot, for a lot of us in this room, that is most of our stories. Finding Jesus, seeing him for ourselves, and realizing who he is. So as Christians, we follow the teachings of Jesus. I mean, the word Christianity could be described as the religion that follows the teachings of Jesus. However, I think sometimes, sometimes the problem is that a lot of Christians turn the following of Jesus into the following the teachings of Jesus. These teachings lead to rules to order your life around, and that's, and that's a good thing. It's, it's not a bad thing at all. It's helpful and good and beneficial. The story of God and the story in the Bible makes it clear, though, that the point of knowing Jesus is for a relationship with him and not just simply his teachings or the rules around his teachings. 
speaking with Jesus and Him speaking with you. Communication, relationship, being with Jesus. Let me show you what I mean. Can I do that? Um, Acts chapter 4. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 4, I'll catch you up on the story so far. The disciples, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, empowering them with boldness and courage to go out and speak the good news of Jesus. Peter then prays for a lame guy, and this lame person was healed, and everyone, of course, is amazed, and they think that Peter did the healing. Of course, um, it wasn't him. It was faith in Jesus, as he says in in chapter 3. And uh, as Peter and John are speaking, uh, the temple guard and Sadducees were concerned about them proclaiming the name of Jesus about, and also about the resurrection of the dead. And they were worried about that. So they arrested them and threw them into jail until the next day. So let's pick up the story. Acts chapter 4, verse 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if, you are, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. So I have a friend. Uh, many of you probably know who I am talking about the minute I mention the word cycling. Cycling. John, my friend John, he comes here. He's, is he here? No, I don't see him. Obviously on holiday somewhere. Anyway, a few weeks ago, we went, uh, probably a few months ago now, we went away for a weekend together with several friends from church. And I can see some people who were, who were on that weekend here, which is nice to see. Um, and we, it was a, we were part of an old house group that we used to go to. And we, uh, we went post-COVID. We wanted to just go away together just, just to hang out. And we had a great time. And uh, John was there. Anyway, I got chatting one off one, I think it was afternoon on a Saturday. We got chatting about um, bicycles and then about cycling. And um, for just, it was only for a little while. Anyway, that night I, um, I, I went to Rachel. I'm, I'm married to the lovely Rachel. She's not here today. But, um, and I went to Rachel and I said, it'd be really good for me to get a new bicycle. And John would keep an eye out for me for Black Friday deals or, you know, low down on some good second-hand ones. And uh, I was absolutely convinced I needed a good bike because that would make me happy, right? But not just a good bike. It had to be an amazing light bike. It would cost a lot of money. 
Of course, I will not get security clearance from the lovely Rachel <laughs> to get a new bike. Um, but she did ask, have you been talking to John again? Um, I, I had spent a little bit of time with him, and, uh, and uh, Rachel could tell that uh, I had been with him. Because when you, when you hang out with someone who is passionate about something, it often rubs off on you, doesn't it? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. It was recognized that they had been with him. It was this time being with Jesus that transformed these people from what the Bible calls unschooled and ordinary into courageous, bold leaders. And that's the same reality we are offered. It's the same reality where Jesus invites us into this relationship to be with him. Now, a good relationship could look like touching base every few days or regularly with each other, keeping close, sharing thoughts and experiences, because close relationships, we share our lives. Um, I live on a street, this is off piece now, I live on a street with several people who come to this church, and we, we run into each other all the time, um, just in normal day life, and it's, it's lovely. And if you, if you read the Bible, you'll find this theme throughout. Uh, living a life in full, life-giving relationship with Jesus. Some, but sometimes, though, relationships become distant, and getting back to having a close relationship can involve um, some work, um, maybe of asking some, some questions, you know, things like, how are you really doing? Or, I, I don't understand, can you help me to understand People who are really good at relationships are often people who ask really good questions. And this is where God is a pro. He really is a pro. So right at the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve, they were told they could enjoy the splendor of the garden that God had made for them, but they should avoid one tree. And of course, they didn't avoid the tree, and uh, they hid when they heard God walking in the garden. And God asks the question, where are you? Where are you? Obviously, he's asking a question to find them uh, because it's a directional question, wanting to find them for the purpose of being with them, to have you know, conversations and communicate and relationship with them. Of course, we know the end of the story that it was also to reconcile with them because they'd, they'd done something they shouldn't have done. So God takes the initial steps to restore the relationship. The gift of revelation, the baby Jesus, the exact representation of his being, is God's invitation for you to have a relationship with him. When you sense Jesus stirring in your life, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Sometimes that could be when things are going really, really, really well. And other times it could be when things are going really, really, things are difficult and challenging. He is seeking you out so that you might be able to know him and live in relationship with him. But the question can also have a deeper meaning. Where are you? Could also refer to 
how you're feeling, your, your emotional state, or, or your thoughts? It's a, I, think, I think it's a profoundly relational question. And I think it's even the first question that God asks in, in the Scriptures. To me, this reveals God's heart, His desire for relationship. And if God were to ask you right now, where are you? What might you say to Him? I, um, I have this dramatized audio Bible called the Bible Experience. Some of you may have heard me tell you about it or been in a house group with us where we've used it. It's got some famous folk in there. Um, I, think, I think Morgan Freeman acts as the, the voice of God and there's a few other, few other things. It's a, it's a little cheesy, but I like it, okay? And, um, there's, uh, and, if you, and if you are a Star Trek fan, and which I do realize uh, that I might be the only person in this room who is a Star Trek fan, um, but uh, the Next Generation series, there's this, um, there's this character called Geordi. He's the engineer of the Enterprise. Anyway, Geordi is the narrator of John's Gospel in this audio Bible. So, so whenever I listen to... Um, the Next Generation series, I watch an episode or I watch a YouTube clip or something, I think, and I hear Geordie speak, I think of John's Gospel. Um, it's, it's, a bit, it's really, and the ironic thing, the ironic thing is um, Geordie's character is blind um, in, in the series. He's got this like visor, he spe- sees special things. But at, at the beginning of John's Gospel, it's quite funny because um, uh, John talks about Jesus being the light that shines in the darkness, uh, being uh, the light of the world, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. So it's a bit, a bit ironic. But if we turn back to John chapter 1, uh, at the beginning you see John's good news story, and he starts off with Jesus being the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, and God, and the Word was God. Uh, those few verses make a similar claim to what Hebrews says about Jesus. And um, and then there's a the little bit about John the Baptist, and then John identifying Jesus as being God's chosen one. So if we pick up the story a little few, few verses later in verse 35, John chapter 135, it says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Here you see Jesus asking a question similar to what God asked in the garden. Here you see Jesus asking a question, what do you want? It's profound and simple. And it's a big, it's a big question if you think about it. I mean, it is God who is asking. Maybe your answer to that question would be, I need an answer for something. I've been wanting an answer for something. Or I want peace in my life. Or you want peace for some, someone else in your family. Or maybe you want more money. Or you want a new job. Or you, you want a spouse. They, of course, the disciples, avoided the question. And instead asked Jesus where he was staying. 
And Jesus replies with an invitation. He said, come and you will see. He didn't give them an address. Oh, I'm staying at so-and-so's place, you know. He said, come and you will see. We, uh, it's an invite, right? It's an invite. Uh, he invites them and he invites us. He invites us. We often want something from God. We often say, you know, I want this or I want that. But his invitation is always, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. There's so much more we could say about that. But the invitation is for you today to, to check Jesus out wherever you might be. He invites you to come and see. And a few short verses later, you'll find in that same chapter, um, Philip invites Nathaniel um, because he'd met Jesus, and he says, come, come and see. So it sort of rubs off a little bit like John and cycling. Jesus is the gift of revelation to us all. He reveals to us the same relational focus God, the Father who wants to be with us, we sing about God being Emmanuel, God with us. And we read stories across the pages of scriptures uh, about God wanting to be with us and have a relationship with us. To know us and for us to know him. To walk with him like he did in the garden in the cool of the day. To walk us through life's ins and outs. To speak to us about his love for us. About what he has planned for us to do. And he invites us into his mission of inviting those around us. So I have, this, I have this thing that I do whenever I travel to work or to the office. I, um, I pray as I walk or as I go. Uh, people must often think, walking past me, people often think I must, must be a little crazy, a little odd. Um, well, some of you might think I'm odd anyway. But, uh, and I know who you are, by the way. Um, but it, it's one of the ways that I, I spend time speaking with Jesus. Um, on the tube, I sit often and listen to worship music or I listen to Geordie reading John's Gospels. Um, and I try and listen to what Jesus is saying. Build time in your life to spend with him. Build those kinds of moments. Um, not, not, not out of a um, rules-based thing, but out of the desire to be with him and for him and have space for him to be with you. Because God works to restore that broken relationship from the garden. He takes the first steps. Jesus brings that reconciliation to us. To us. Relationship. Come and see. Can, can, I, can I take you to one more passage? Is that okay? One more? Do we have time? Yeah, we do. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We catch you up on the story. Verse 13 is where we'll read from. But Jesus has just fed the 4,000. A group of leaders has asked Jesus to, for a sign, and he obviously tells them off. And then Jesus and his disciples leave, um, and there's a small warning that Jesus gives to his disciples about bread. And then he asks another question. So let's pick up the story. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 15. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. 
Who do you say I am? This, this question comes to each of us at some point in our lives. Many in this room know what that means. That you know what that means for you. Sometimes we come back to that question multiple times. Maybe because you've not been with Jesus for a while. Maybe because of life struggles has gotten in the way and the challenges. Maybe you've wanted things from Jesus and, and not seen the invitations he's made to you for you to be with him. Maybe time away from Jesus has brought a distance in your relationship with him. Maybe you haven't answered questions you want answers to. Maybe you're grumpy with him or you have complaints that you want to tell him and you're grumpy because of how people have maybe dealt with you and you blame God for not fixing things the way you thought or would have liked. This Christmas, as we remember the baby Jesus in a manger, the gift of revelation, Jesus displays who God is and what he is like. That Jesus reveals, that he speaks, that he invites us, not just to say the words that what we believe, not just to do the right things, not to just live the right way, which are all good and proper and fantastic ways to live and structure your life around. But will you commit for this season, for the coming year, from now on, to spend time with Jesus, to be with him? Do you remember Hebrews, where we started? Jesus being the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. If you put God in front of a mirror and take a photo of the, of the reflection in the mirror, and you take a photo of Jesus, two photos would look alike. Jesus reveals the Father, reveals God in a way we can grasp, in a way that we can understand in the way of a baby, a person, someone we can talk to and listen to. So this morning, will you accept his invitation to come and see, no matter where you find yourself, maybe a good place, a difficult place, a doubting place, an healthy place or sick place? Jesus' invitation is for you. Come, he says, and you will see.